everybody, welcome to the Faith and Fandom Input Podcast, Season 2, Episode 6. This is a podcast where I discuss what I've been watching, reading, listening, and all those things, and sharing my thoughts on them with you. So, this might expose you to some stuff you don't know about, or, you know, an opinion you might not share. But, if you care to listen, here we go. We've got a lot of ground to cover, so going to jump right in. The first thing I really want to talk about and share is a game I did not expect to care about or even really hear about uh, in advance, and it's a game called Sea of Stars. And if you follow any of my socials for the last uh, month or so, you've seen some memes of it, um, some pictures and such. But uh, it is a 32-bit uh, video game, like an old SNES-style RPG. And it really just fell upon the fact that I was out of video games to play. I was done writing for a moment, needed a break, and was browsing through games, and it caught my eye. But then it was also $35, and so I was like, eh, maybe not. And then right after that, I was on, uh, I saw in the Love Thy Nerd community, uh, Brent, Brett Vance posting about it and con- talking about how good it is and how many people gave it 10 out of 10s and stuff like that. And I'm like, fine, I'll give it a shot. Um, this is a very much classic RPG like Final Fantasy 3 or Chrono Trigger or something like that. Um, so if that was your alley, uh, this is where you need to be. Um, but it was wonderful. Um, it starts out a little slow, not crazy slow. I think it's letting you learn the mechanics and stuff. But it has ambitious scope for size of how much stuff it covers and does in a small window. Um, it is basically the story of a girl and boy, uh, one born with moon powers, one born with sun powers, and uh, they're fighting evil, etc., etc., magic training, etc., etc. Um, you also pick up a crew of characters along the way. You have six playable characters throughout the game, as well as some people that just come alongside to help, like a uh, inventor robot person, a young lady who just catalogs everything and interacts with you in the story, a pirate crew that's a band um, and performs in every town you go into. Um, it's a story that takes place from parallel dimensions to under the sea, to on a ghost pirate ship, to like, you know, a post-apocalyptic future, to like magical realms, a swamp. I mean, it goes all over the place. But the character development and storytelling is really what got me. Um, the two main characters, to me, weren't that important. <laughs> um, who was important to me was a side character who turns out to be really the the heart of the story um is a kid named garl um garl is not the chosen one he is not uh main character energy he literally lives to be the support character for the main two kids who are his best friends uh he gets injured badly on his first outing with his friends as kids and doesn't get to see them again for 10 years and he spends the whole 10 years waiting to be able to hang out with his friends again, to love them, to encourage them. And to the point that 
He spends eight hours trying to manipulate a magic elevator just so he can deliver his friend some cookies. He's that kind of guy. And as the story develops and you get to spend more and more time with Garl, um, I fell in love with this dude. This dude was absolutely a gem. And I was spiritually encouraged um, just getting to interact with this kid and to be part of his story. And um, getting to know Garl was worth it to me. Garl is on that Uncle Iroh, Ted Lasso, Shepherd Book level of characters that just make my life better. And um, yeah, <laughs> 100%. Um, I put a good number of hours into this game and there are many times I was very very impressed with it um it also made me like actually treasure my switch which was something I hadn't really done since Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom um and I finished playing it and I will say that the story takes a sad turn which I will avoid spoilers um because I really would like you to go play this game because it's going to improve the quality of your life um uh, there's some sadness in this story and, um, but here's what I'll tell you without spoilers. There is the standard ending of the game. And then once the game ends, you have a p possibility of getting a different ending that continues after the story because a new device shows up in a place called the Moorlands in the game that if you complete the challenges to activate this device allows you to change the entire outcome of the game. It's not like an add-on. It's like you finished the story, but a storyline continues and you get a true ending of the game if you continue. And I'll say this, the true ending's worth it for me personally. Um, uh, 90% sure that Sea of Stars is going to be the next Faith and Fandom chapter. Um, I'm kind of debating between that and one on The Chosen. I'll probably be writing them at the same time. But Sea of Stars, uh, like, <laughs> I spent days just thinking about elements of the story after I was done with the gameplay. Even though I wasn't picking it back up, the story just was that meaningful to me. Like, I want action figures. I want stickers. I want, I want shirts. I want that. Um, just Garl, because Garl's the man. Um, I drew a, a little painting of Garl like Captain America, because um, he's a warrior cook, and he's holding a, a pot lid is what he fights with. That being said, Sea of Stars, uh, for me, um, was talking with uh, one of the folks on the Love Thy Nerd community that um, if it wasn't... For Tears of the Kingdom, it would 100% be game of the year for me. Um, and if, if Tears of the Kingdom was not in the conversation, uh, Sea of Stars would 100% be... Um, it would be perfect for me. It was uh, Andrew Oliveras from Love Thy Nerd Community. And yeah, yeah, y'all, for real, it would be game of the year easily if it wasn't for Tears of the Kingdom. So... Sea of Stars. Available on all systems, and if you have those little pay things like PlayStation Plus or whatever, uh, you can play it for free. Oh, Next, I'm going to tackle One Piece real quick. One Piece, I did just write a chapter for in Faith and Fandom. Um, you can read it free on the website. Um, 
but uh one piece is one of those things that because it's so big i avoided like touching it forever 1070 something episodes of the anime 101 volumes of manga um and netflix did its live action show um which actually got positive reviews and ratings just to say this um i am i think my kids and i are 90 some 91 92 episodes into the anime and we watched the netflix series uh i am greatly enjoying the anime um and I, because I'm a nerd, I tried to start the anime in Japanese. And then uh, my friend Joey Stacks, who's an artist and a good friend, recommended I not do that and watch it in English solely because of the voice cast that the voice actor for Krillin, who's my favorite anime character, uh, is one of the main characters. Uh, Chris Sabat, who is Vegeta, Piccolo, and All Might, is one of the main characters. Um, and like, Almost every voice in there is recognized from some other anime you know. But it's a, just a good storytelling of heart. Um, people that are chasing goals, good friendship, friendship that changes the quality of your life and sets your goals higher. And um, people are really passionate about it. Um, I'm 90 episodes in and enjoy watching it with my kids. And I realize at 90 episodes with a thousand something episodes ahead of me, that uh, I will probably have grandkids by the time uh, we finish the show. But uh, just to say that Netflix did a great job with it. They captured the heart. They captured the vibe of it. Uh, everything that was done on the Netflix series was approved by the anime's creator, the manga's creator. Um, and while they did fast-forward some elements in the story and they did skip some stuff as well, um, it... Came, it came to tell a really good story, and I was really encouraged by it. Um, I look forward to it. Um, so I'll say this. Uh, if you're not scared of something bigger than yourself, try the One Piece anime. Um, if you try the Netflix series and you're like, oh, I enjoy these characters, then go right ahead and dive into the anime while you can. Um, the first like 500 episodes, I believe, are on Netflix knock yourself out. Um, but I, I genuinely am encouraged by it. I found it to be really great storytelling. And from everything I know from spoilers on the internet, there's a lot more ahead. Um, and a lot more encouragement and just general quality of storytelling that I look forward to seeing in the one piece universe. I'm not that far. I'm not going to say much more. And really, a lot of my thoughts on it I put into the chapter. But uh, the chapter is about dealing with things bigger than us, like eternity and death and stuff like that. So it's not going to be for everybody. Um, but it's out there. One more gaming thing I want to toss out is Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Now, the last time I did an uh, input edition was in May. I think May 30th. Um... And I talked a little bit about Tears of the Kingdom, but I hadn't beaten it yet. I hadn't finished the story. Um, I'll just say this, because I want to spend a lot of time on it. Tears of the Kingdom was absolutely satisfying. Um, make sure you get the memories, just like in the Breath of the Wild. The memories are important. Now, the memories are much easier to get in Tears of the Kingdom. But the story it tells. Um, and where... 
I feel like Breath of the Wild was a lot of Link sacrificing and doing so much. Uh, once you get the story of Zelda and what she did and how hard she reached to not only save Link, but the world, Chef's Kiss. Really, really good storytelling. Um, the fight with Ganon <clears throat> uh, was much better than the fight in Breath of the Wild. Um, and the ending uh, was just breathtaking. Um, like, watching the ending, cinematic, it was gorgeous. Um, I, yeah, I was so satisfied. And that's the thing, like I mentioned, uh, the feelings that arise in me just going through my experience in Tears of the Kingdom are the only reason why Sea of Stars doesn't take the number one slot for Game of the Year for me. Um, but yeah, there's that. Um, on another Netflix note, uh, Netflix dropped a sequel series to Castlevania um, called Castlevania Nocturne, which follows Richter Belmont um, a few generations down the line in the world of vampires and the church and uh, all this other crazy stuff. Uh, I will say this. This is a TVMA anime about vampires and demons and stuff like that. If that is not your cup of tea, please don't don't even mess with this. Um, I did really enjoy the original Castlevania series. Mark Wade, who is a classic comic book writer, um, had a lot to do with the first series. And I don't think he had much to do with this one. But it is still a very good anime. Um, and because it deals with like some corrupt levels of the church, um, but also some true levels of the church of encouragement as well. But it is it is violent, it is graphic, etc. Be cautioned, be warned. But um, if that isn't something you're sensitive to or that it will cause you to stumble, you should definitely check it out because it, it has a lot to do with uh, misguided religious leaders, um, but also just vampires. And um, it is set up for a season two. And uh, Netflix has already renewed it and it will come out. But I, I legit watched the entire season one of this in one sitting it was like a friday night my kids were all doing something and i watched the entire thing in in one swoop so it was fun it was good vampiring <laughs> across the board uh on other violent things um let's talk about mortal kombat 1 which was a reboot slash sequel of the Mortal Kombat franchise. Basically, Liu Kang became uh, near omnipotent at the end of a previous game, I'm guessing. I guess maybe 11. I didn't play that one. And in doing so, he reformatted and reshaped all of the Mortal Kombat characters to live a life where they will be peaceful and not dangerous and where Mortal Kombat exists but no one dies. And he created a perfect world where there were no shenanigans abounding. And it all fell apart. Um, and so it was just revisiting classic and not-so-classic Mortal Kombat characters with fresh eyes, getting the chance to meet people all over again with different subtleties and changes. And it, it kind of concludes in a big multiversal battle. And I'll say this, it was worth playing Mortal Kombat 1 because in the last battle, big multiversal conflict, there comes a point 
where you're interacting with a mime Johnny Cage. And I didn't know I needed this in my life, but I did. Um, because that 30 seconds, the mime Johnny Cage was on the screen doing some shenanigans. It made my day. Um, if you're a fan of Mortal Kombat, this was a fun storyline to play. I did not play Mortal Kombat 11. I probably didn't even really play Mortal Kombat 10. Um, I, I can't remember the last time I touched one. But this was, I had a little bit of a down season. And I feel like an absolute traitor because I never actually battled anyone in this. I played the storyline. And as soon as I be, finished the storyline, I returned it to GameStop and traded it in for Pokemon cards for my daughter. So... There we are. Um, another interesting thing uh, I've been doing lately is uh, because I've spent a decent amount of time on the road for cons and traveling and stuff like that, is I've been listening to the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, if you're unaware, if you own any book on Kindle, you can have uh, Amazon's Alexa read it to you um, through the app. Um so that means you can have it read it through your house, in your car, over your phone, wherever. And so, uh, since the summer, um, I've listened to the first four books of Chronicles of Narnia. Um, in this process, I've learned that I've been crapping on the horse and his boy for way too long for no good reason. Because the horse and his boy actually turned out to be really good. I just remembered it poorly. Um... And then there's a line that hit me out of, I want to say it was Prince Caspian, that was like life-changing to me, where Aslan says, do not dare not to dare. Dude almighty, that was a great line. He just says, do not dare not to dare. And I'm like, okay, C.S. Lewis, I see you. I like it a lot. Um, I'm rereading these books for the first time since like 2002. Um, so 20 years, 20 years of growth in me, it, a lot of it hits a lot differently. So, uh, if you've never read Narnia or if you've never gotten past Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, please do yourself a favor and check out the books in the Chronicles of Narnia series, Narnia series. There's seven total. And, uh, the final book, The Last Battle is one of the best explanations of eschatology end times and, uh, death and resurrection in a biblical perspective than I've ever heard, heard taught in a church. <laughs> so, um, like legit, it, it's solid and it's worth reading. It's worth exploring. So I would check that out if you haven't. Um, also, uh, Mary over at the nerds and Jesus podcast is doing a read through episode by episode, chapter by chapter type situation as reading through Narnia. So if you want someone to read along with you, uh, you can check that out over there. Uh, on to Ahsoka, the Disney Plus series, which is effectively the next season of Rebels, just concluded. And, you know, no major spoilers or anything, but I thought it was great. Um, it was, I, I love the fact they're casting live action versions of these characters voiced by their original voice actors. So, like uh, Clancy brown the guy who's mr krabs the guy who was in shawshank redemption uh he was uh uh vandal savage and you know 
Clone Wars, but he also care is a role in Rebels, and he plays the live action version of that role in Re- in the beginning of Ahsoka. Uh, we get live action Sabine, we get live action Hera, who's Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, Ramona Flowers, Obi Wan Kenobi's actual wife. Um, we get David Tennant with a huge role as Hu Yang, the robot droid that trains younglings in building lightsabers and ends up being like the Alfred to Ahsoka throughout this entire series. Um, Balin, uh, who is played by the rate, uh, the late Ray Stevenson, I believe is his name. I didn't look it up. I forgot it. Um, but he just did, it was good. Um, and we got the return of Ezra Bridger who literally looks like he walked off the set of the chosen. Um, but this was just a good story. It was really good to bring these things back into place, to flesh these characters out, to give us Grand Admiral Thrawn, played by the guy who voiced Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, there's a lot of good stuff. We got some name drops of Leia. Uh, one of my absolute favorite moments is when C-3PO shows up and um, somebody calls him a mere droid, and he's like, mere droid? It's like, you better put some respect on C-3PO's name. Um I enjoyed it. Some of the lightsaber battles were dope. I mean, not all of them were fantastic, but it was still good. Um, I liked watching Ahsoka and Ezra kind of like shine. Sabine get her wings and a lot of this stuff. Um, little Easter egg in case you missed it. Um, Dave Filoni, who runs Rebels and Clone Wars and Mandalorian in a lot of ways, uh, if you're unfamiliar, also did Avatar The Last Airbender, the cartoon. And he kind of got yanked from Avatar to do Clone Wars. Um, but when Ahsoka comes back from a certain episode, she has a new headpiece. And her new headpiece is actually Uncle Iroh's White Lotus. So they straight up put a full Avatar The Last Airbender little Easter egg in there. And... Um, also, we got Hayden Christensen as Anakin again. Again, fleshing out his character more and giving us some of the better Anakin. And this is an Anakin who's actually studied the Clone Wars animated series. And so he's bringing a lot of that vibe, Matt Lanter's or Latner's vibe to his portrayal. And he did a great job. He just really did. Um, and it was neat to see Clone Wars in live action. It was neat to see the young lady play a young Ahsoka who was also a young Gamora and she was uh the the daughter in the Barbie movie I mean it was just it was neat to see Ahsoka played out the way she was played so that was really cool um if you aren't familiar with Rebels and Clone Wars you can still watch Ahsoka but I would definitely say you'll understand the show better if you watch Rebels even if you don't watch Clone Wars check out Rebels um, that's worth it. Um, another show that I wanted to touch base on is Justified City Primeval. Um, Justified is one of my all-time favorite shows. The story of, uh, Deputy U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens, um, Boyd Crowder, uh, and the people of Kentucky. <laughs> uh, it's just such a good show. I love Justified. I love um, so much about it. Um, the characters, the portrayal. Justified City Primeval is a show that takes place 16 years later. 15 years later, something like that. Um, Raylan's 
working in Miami. His daughter's a teenager who's having her own issues. Boyd's still in jail. Uh, and uh, on the way to take his daughter to a disciplinary camp for her misconduct, um, Raylan gets caught up in some shenanigans, which gets him stuck in uh, Detroit. And it just kind of goes bananas from there. And uh, it's it's well done. It's well written. It definitely feels like Raylan being Raylan. Um, and I don't want to give you big spoilers um, uh, because, you know, nobody needs that. But I will tell you, in case you're curious, we do get Boyd in the last episode. Um so I I thought Boyd Crowder's um ending in the f- original series of Justified was perfect and I didn't want it changed at all. Like I was worried they were going to ruin Boyd's ending and <sighs> I'm not saying they ruined it and I'm not saying it had to happen. Um but it was definitely not the worst ending they could have uh, given him in this one, but I think I also could have been just as fine uh, if they left him alone. Uh, either way. But if you like uh, Tim the Elephant, if you like Justified, if you like that stuff, uh, you should definitely check out Justified City Primeval. I think it's all on Hulu. And then uh, one last ep- thing to share with you is... Uh, my Adventures with Superman, which is a Superman anime on HBO Max. And y'all, it is delightful. Uh, it features uh, Clark, Lois, and Jimmy as like college-aged interns at the planet. Clark discovering his powers, their relationships, their romance involving new villains and stuff like that. Um this, and I, I am fully aware these are strong words, uh, this might be one of the best DC animated series since Justice League Unlimited. Um, you know, put it up there with Batman Beyond, or sorry, with Batman the Animated Series, uh, Batman Beyond, Justice League, Un- Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, this is right up there. Um... It is a young version. It is definitely some anime vibes. It definitely has anime transitions and stuff like that. But this is some of the best writing for Clark and for Superman and their relationship I've seen in a long while. But they're also setting up a big, broad storyline, which definitely will need a couple seasons to tell. But if you haven't given this a shot and you're a DC fan at all, or you're even just like warm-hearted superhero animes, you definitely should check out with My Adventures with Superman on that, on HBO Max. It's 100% worth it. Um, and, you know, I, I just genuinely don't think you'll be disappointed. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've been into. That's what I've been... I haven't found any really great music other than... Uh, Switchfoot having covers of their hour version, um, anything that like that lately. But that's that's kind of what I've been chewing on lately. Um, I do want to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters: John Jacobs, Jay Sheed, Rebecca Godlove, uh, 
Jason uh, Bullock, uh, Todd Turner, Candace Davis, Tesh Norton, Scott Ward, Zach Harris, Adam Davis, uh, Sarah Lewis, Caleb Grimm, Jeanette Skaggs, uh, Mike Perna, Jonathan H., uh, Jillian, Patrick Gale, Jason Crutchfield, Christina R., Chris Poirier, Alicia Glenn, Ron P., and Deborah Lanham. Thank y'all all all so much for your support, for helping make all of this possible. Websites, podcast hosting, con fees, all that jazz. Um, We're wrapping up the con year. Um, In fact, my last con is going to be this weekend, I think, for the year. But we've got a ton already lined up for next year, including some new cons out of state and some big plans. Uh, We just dropped a Bible study on five women in the Bible called That's What She Said. Me and Rebecca Godlove put that out together. Um, It's a muggle Bible study, but it's still really solid. And we have our Faith and Fandom Book 9 literally could drop any minute once I actually say it's done. But I think I'm going to try and get uh, this uh, chapter on uh, The Chosen and Sea of Stars in there before we wrap it up. Maybe even some Ahsoka. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, it's it's kind of already close to the deadline for size. But uh, yeah. Thanks for taking time to listen. You can always find more uh, Faith and Fandom podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Or our actual site is faithandfandom.podbean.com. Uh, like, rate, review, and all those things. And please share. Do all the all that fun stuff. You can also read over 160 geeky devotionals at faithandfandom.org. Thanks for taking time to listen. And I hope whatever you're putting into you is bringing good fruit out of you. Have a great night.